declaration to you in case you haven't seen it. That declaration says this. God is repeating after me. God is always taking care of me. God is always taking care of me. And he always will. And he always will. A lot of times we have anxiety and anger because we're worried about how things are going to work out in our life. We're in an unsure spot in our life. We don't really know how it's going to pan out. But sometimes you got to look at yourself. you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, self, repeat it after me. God is always
Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your sweet spirit in this place. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you that through everything we've been through in our life, Lord, for 41 years, you have taken care of me. And you always will. God, you've taken care of this church. And you always will. You've always provided healing and you always will. You've always provided deliverance and you always will. You've always provided peace and you always will. God, you've always provided salvation. We thank you for it. Oh God, we thank you for what's about to be done in this place. Open up our hearts and our minds to hear what you are saying to the church, God. We listen for you to speak. Not me, just a mere mortal man with hang-ups that's imperfect, God. We want to hear a word from you because we believe that if we hear a word from you, our lives can be impacted and changed forever. Speak, O oh Lord, your servants listen, and we'll be careful to give you the praise in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Praise God. We're excited to be here. We got some good things going. God is moving pretty soon. Nita is working also on some projects. We've got the men's conference that we're going to be praying about, the Youth Sunday that is coming up. And uh, we were going to do a bowling night, and we probably still will do a bowling night. Uh, but I think we may be doing some uh, animals first, like a park uh, that Nita's working on. Nita works real hard behind the scenes. Nita's quiet, but if you uh, ever go in your email and you get that uh it's not in there it's okay if you ever go in that email and you get those in monthly encounter notes um they have a lot of encouraging stuff especially her and elizabeth really kind of champion that project and they put out some really inspirational stuff and i've been surprised how many times i've been preaching and i opened up what they send in those emails and i read that stuff and it touches my heart some so much some that i've been tempted at times to let them go preach if you have youth if you're not old enough to vote uh you're qualified for youth church they're doing youth church downstairs you're welcome to go have a blast have a ball y'all y'all give them a hand as, as they go thank you brother dave Hallelujah. A word from the Lord. Can we stand for the reading of the word of our God? If you can stand, it's a blessing to be able to stand. If you can't stand, it's a blessing just to be here still. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. We're in our series about how to be happy. How to be happy. And it's one scripture today. We're going to, of course, we go, you know, we go through scriptures throughout. But it's one simple one we're going to focus on as our theme scripture. What does it say? That's the wrong one. Matthew 5, uh, verse 8. Go to Matthew 5, verse 9. Excuse me. Go to Matthew 5, verse 9. I'm going to put them on the fly. They've got 5 and 8, and it should be 5 and 9. Um, I'll take responsibility for that. Matthew 5, chapter 9. There they are. Let's read it. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. I want you to read that again because when I pull up the sermon slide, it may make you a little confused, but we'll talk about it. Um, uh, let's go to it again. What does it say? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. By this scripture, other related scriptures, and the Holy Spirit aid, we want to preach from this subject today. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, this means war. <laughs> you may be seated in the presence of God speak your servants listen 
And we'll give you all the praise in the name of Jesus. I have not spoken to our online family, but why don't you guys give a hand clap for our online family, those who are watching online, some of those who are uh, on vacation but still watching. Um, we have people from all over the country that take the time to to worship with us, and we're grateful for that. It's amazing that now because we have a digital footprint, we're able to reach to all sorts of different places. Thank you for those people who call me and tell me that you send it. We have people that actually send our feed to different countries, uh, to Uganda and Jamaica and all sorts of different places, and we're grateful that God has given uh, little old us an uh, impact and a chance to reach people with the gospel. Amen? Amen. So we're, we're extremely grateful for that, thankful, and also don't let me forget... Uh, Jalis has had a testimony for a few weeks, and uh, we, uh, we haven't had a time to do it, and I'd like her if she could, if she was prepared. If not, I'm not going to put you on the spot to come and do your testimony. So as I finish, you can come on up. But you guys ready for the word this morning? Well, amen. We're almost out of our series of how to be happy. We've been talking about how to be happy, and we want to talk about a spiritual happiness. God tells us that we can be happy. Jesus uh, gives us a different definition of happiness. He uses that word, which is makarior or makarios. Everybody say makarios. Makarios, as we know, I keep repeating stuff. Pastor, why do you keep repeating stuff? Because we've too long in church, left church and said, you know, he really preached. And you said, what did he preach about? I don't know. <laughs> and so when we preach in sermons, uh, but he was really excited and he said a lot of stuff and I felt good. But we, how many of you know we need teaching in the body of Christ? That my old, uh, my old pastor and now still my spiritual father, I, I regard him as such, such Dr. Charles Miller, used to always tell us this, that teaching draws the world out of you. He would tell us that preaching draws you out of the world, but teaching draws the world out of you. In other words, you can be saved, but you still need to be saved from some things. You can be saved from sin and still need to be saved from yourself. You can be saved from sin and still need to be saved from some attitudes and mindsets that are in you that are hindering you and your life. The writer put it this way. He said, lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us, that there are some things in life that can beset us and, and set us back. And many of us have been set back. Have you ever been set back in life or felt like you were set back? You made some mistakes in your life and, you, you, and sin has beset you and set you back. That's one of the benefits of coming here and receiving the word of God so God can set you up for success. Now, success is not what we deem success or our Americanized, westernized version. The word makarios means that you are supremely blessed, totally satisfied. You are not lacking anything. It also means that you could be the envy of others. You're envious. Other people could be envious of you. They would have understood this. Well, why did they use Greek? Because Greek was heavily used back in the first century. We think in our mindset of, of, of our culture and the 21st century but back in those days if you go to Jerusalem during that time period you will see a lot of Jewish uh, tombstones and they're written in Greek because they spoke Aramaic they spoke Greek they spoke different languages so oftentimes they would be able to talk you notice that when Pilate is talking to Jesus they don't have a translator in the room but Pilate is not from Judea <laughs> that other people speak different languages much similar to like we have Lath Lath speaks uh, he is from that area he's from Iraq Lath speaks uh, uh, he speaks Arabic. He speaks, uh, what else do you speak? 
Aramaic. He speaks Arabic. He speaks English. I speak English. I can speak a little bit of everything else to get around a few places, but not like Lath can speak it. They, they had multiple languages. So when Jesus was preaching this and we get the word Makarios, we can trust that this word is going forward in its intended meaning. He's saying, happy are you. We use the word happy. And it's important for us to know you are supremely blessed, totally satisfied. And he gives this sermon we call the Sermon on the Mount. Now, many of us think this is a one-time sermon, but many theologians believe that this is a series of sermons that happen over a series uh, of days that Jesus is, is on the mountainside, and he is giving the Sermon on the Mount, and he is turning everything on its head, and Jesus is such a good preacher. Have you ever been in the church, and you're preaching, and the preacher's preaching, and you know he's preaching about something else, but something said just hits you, and it hits you right where you are, and it's amazing how the Holy Spirit can work to reach many people who are many different walks of life on different levels and the Beatitudes are very much the same way. They have a practical meaning because they can be used number one for a code of ethics. If you want to know how to ethically, ethically live your life, the Beatitudes can be used for that. Also, they can be used to contrast the kingdom's eternal way, how God's way works, how his kingdom laws and principles work versus the temporal or, or the, the short-lived way of the world because you may or may not know this there is a way that the world does things and you can be successful by the world standards and still be failing by God. You can have plenty of money. You can have plenty of bling. You can have nice cars, nice houses, nice land, many degrees and, and high pedigree. But Jesus speaks to those people and he says, what profited a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? In other words, what we look at as prosperous is not necessary what, necessarily what God looks at as prosperous. And sometimes God uses, or Jesus uses rather, which God, Jesus is God, to expose the superficial faith of the, by highlighting what real faith is. Sometimes he'll give us something and it'll seem like it's got some tension in the text. What is tension in the text? Tension in the text means that I say something that doesn't seem to quite fit up or right or in line because we know that Jesus is in Judea and Judea is under Roman rule and you have Iscariots and all sorts of people who really want to be violent and who really want to break free and, and he says blessed are the peacemakers. Now, why are we talking about the subject, this means war, when the scripture is clearly saying, blessed are the peacemakers. That's going through everybody's mind. I wonder how he's going to work this out. I wonder how he's going to pull this out. How can you say this means war when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers? I'm glad you asked. Because today we're going to learn more about the kingdom principles and spiritual principles that Jesus has given. And look at this from a fresh perspective. The Beatitudes also show us that although the world systems may pacify, they will not satisfy. What do you mean about that? To pacify means to keep you occupied for a second. Uh, uh, Xbox or PS5 is there to keep you pacified. Well, if you're a person who watches the news, that little thing that says breaking news that rolls beneath there, that's to keep you pacified, to keep you on the channel long enough so that the advertisers can come and sell you what they want to sell you. They're trying to keep you pacified. Some people use religion to pacify other people, but this is not what God is talking about. He's talking about something that's going to let you know that the world systems don't work as efficiently as the systems of the kingdom and that we can waste precious time seeking a ways of the world which will immobilize us in our search for truth. 
In other words, everybody's in this building because we want to know the truth. We want to know what is truth. Even Pilate, when he talked to Jesus and he was about to send Jesus to the cross, Jesus, he looks at Jesus and he uses the Latin words, qui verita, which means what is truth. Even he, as powerful as he was, didn't know what is truth. And in today's terms, we have a lot of people that don't know what truth is. Some people say truth is relative. What does that mean? That you live your own truth. Do, do what thou wilt to thy own self be true. If it's true to me, that that means is it. So if I decide I'm a goldfish today, Brother Dave, don't you dare tell me not, that I'm not a goldfish because that's my truth and I'm walking and living in my truth. That sounds absurd, doesn't it? Think a little bit further in our culture and you'll see how absurd it is. Because if we serve one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, in all, and through all, that means he has one set of truth. God doesn't have a truth for this person. He doesn't have a truth for that person. So if you're seeking truth, you are to seek God. Because the Bible says, and you shall, when you follow God, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. A lot of times we say it will set you free, but sometimes knowing truth is a process. Sometimes I've got to explore some things and I get revealed to some things and some other things, principles get revealed to me the deeper I go. But how much precious time do we waste and how many generations have been lost because people are seeking for truth and false things? They seek for truth and philosophy. They seek for truth and new age thought. They seek for truth and crystals and zodiac signs. They seek for, for truth and all sorts of things in different religions. All the while realizing that the closer they they seek for truth in science. Albert Einstein, who was one of the most formidable minds of the day, who, who wrote the theory of relativity, equal equals MC squared, that talks about the fact that the earth is and the universe is constantly expanding and getting better bigger and bigger. You know what he figured out? He said that the more I study, the more I realize that it's impossible for the earth to exist without intelligent design. Science doesn't negate faith. Science is just a discovery of God allowing us to discover what he's already put in the earth. Science doesn't fight faith. Science is just an experience of seeing in the natural what God has already done. He's revealing it to us. You can find that in the book of Romans where it says that the invisible things of the world can be seen and let us know that they are that there is a God that they may be without excuse. What are you saying, Pastor? When you go outside, and you, you don't even have to go outside. If you look around this room and you look at how you're made and how the hairs on your head are made and the, the variety in this room, we have black. We we have white, we have Macedonian, we have uh, Iraqi, we have all sorts of, uh, we have Tanzania, and, and we have all sorts of people, Asia, all sorts of different people. When you look at that, it's impossible for you to come to any other conclusion that we have an intelligent designer. That he has given us truth. That there is intelligent design. But many people waste their time going off around all sorts of different principles. And God wants to give us something that helps us not only survive, but thrive. And yes, we want to see life apart from this world in kingdom living, which is insufficient to satisfy. Somebody say, I've got to make a choice. 
<laughs> you've got to make a choice. And sometimes you've got, to, uh, you've got to begin to choose. Like Jeremiah 24, 15 said, choose you this day who you will serve. You can't walk back and forth between two opinions. At some point in time, you've got to make a choice and not be straddled the fence. And as Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. That is something that's foreign to us because we are a very angry society. By June, by June of 2021, there were all uh, around the Detroit area, around the Michigan area, there were 30 incidences of shootings in vehicles, and over half of them were because of road rage. People are angry. People are upset. People are on edge. I'll never forget when COVID started, watching somebody say something to somebody else's child, and this woman just flipped out. She just flipped out. She started going at this lady, and she's about to attack this lady. And I said, Lord, Turhan, I don't know what to do because she's got this lady who's flipping out, got a husband that's about 6'5", and I'm not weak. So I'm, I'm looking at him saying, am I going to have to take him out if I say something to protect this lady? I'm thinking all those things, and I'm praying real quick because the lady is smaller than me. And here this lady is. Uh, she's towering over the this lady and this lady is scared and fearful and I said God what do I do and the Lord prompted me to look at her shirt and her shirt said God is dope <laughs> and she had a God shirt on and I just yelled out to the lady that was screaming I said ma'am she said yes I said I like your shirt and when she looked down and realized that she was cussing this lady out in the middle of the Kroger and she had a God is dope shirt on she said thank you and she walked away <laughs> We, we live in a world of angry people. Budgets in countries are not made to keep peace, but to make war. The war budget is bigger than anybody else. We have a term we've made. It. It's called war hawk. Every time we turn around, ask yourself a question. Is there any time that you've ever lived in your life where you don't remember some kind of conflict or war going on somewhere during your lifetime? War and, 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 and dissension always comes up. And here Jesus is talking to us about blessed are the peacemakers. God is saying, I have a different way. He's saying this like like. Like Elijah says in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, it says, And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And what he's saying is, you will not have success sitting in the middle of the field. You've got to learn to do it Jesus' way. Jesus is telling us to take peace when the world is telling us to make what? War. Jesus is telling us to settle differences when the world is telling us to bust somebody's head to the white meat. That's what, what the world is telling us to do. The world celebrates violence. And here it is, Jesus talking about peace. But you've got to choose which way you want. And you can't live your life forever straddle the fence. I am so grateful that football season, Brother Dave, has started up. And we're getting back into football. I imagine for those of you who actually watch football, Victor, Victor went into a praise when I did that back there. <laughs> but at the same time, have you ever thought how interesting a football game would be if everybody just sat on the 50-yard line? Wouldn't be very, very very good with a turn on. 
How good would a basketball game be if it was everybody at half court or, or if soccer would be if everybody was at the beginning or in the middle of the field? No, there are two opposing sides, and those two and opposing sides challenge each other, and the only way you win is you've got to choose a side. The world has beaten Christians into submission where we no longer talk about what we believe. We're almost ashamed of what we believe. But I've come to tell you, if you're going to follow Christ, you've got to choose a side. Somebody said choose a side. Well, how does this tie in? How does this answer the question of why there is so much conflict and no peace? Why are men in such great conflict? Because if you're going to follow God's way, you've got to choose a side. And you cannot, you will not go, your behavior will not go where your belief is not seated. What does that mean? If you don't believe it, you won't do it. If you don't believe that the Bible is the final authority for your life, you'll sit there and give philosophies and vain thoughts. You get to do it a la carte. Everybody say a la carte. What is a la carte? <laughs> you get to do it like a buffet. You pick out the things about the Bible that you like. You throw away the parts that you don't. That's why a lot of times I preach straight through books of the Bible so I won't get in the habit of falling away for, and make sure I give everybody everything that's in there. I give you what you like and I give you what you don't. And sometimes people might say, well, Pastor, you give much more than enough of what we don't like. You know what that means? You need to be ingesting some more of that yourself so it'll become something that you like. If you're going to follow God's way, you're going to be at war. But why is Jesus saying, blessed are the peacemakers, when we know we're going to be at war? Why are men in such great conflict? There are several fronts of war that are going on. Number one, man cannot be at true peace when he is at war with God. I've come to tell you, there is no Switzerland in the spirit. There is no middle ground. You are either for God or you are against God. You are not exploring. You are not seeking. You are either following God or following Satan. There is no in between. How do you know? Because the book of Revelations talks to the church of Laodicea. This is the church and he says, you know what? I would have you hot or cold but you're in the middle. You're trying to be relevant to the culture. You're trying to look and act like everybody else. You're trying to do what everybody else does. I'm a Christian but look I'm cool I'm still cool I'm a Christian but I, I've been some on social issues you know I don't believe all that extreme stuff either you believe it all or you don't believe any of it and Jesus said because you are hot or cold you are lukewarm to the people of Laodicea this meant something else when you study the Bible always make sure that you take it in context when he was talking to them they realized that their water sources were far away from them they had no natural water sources in Laodicea brother Dave and because they had no natural water sources uh, sources they had to get water from aqueducts and by the time the water came from the two cities that it came from it was lukewarm and putrid it wasn't good for anything and people were known to vomit and throw up because the water was neither hot <laughs> nor was it cold they had two sources one that came from the mountains that had pure cold water and one of them that came into the city that was from a place that had hot springs you would enjoy the water in those places but by the time it got to Laodicea it was neither hot nor cold it was lukewarm it was in the middle and if you drank it you would vomit and this is what Jesus is saying to those church people in Laodicea because you look like the world and act like the world but want to be in my presence you make me sick is that not what he said? 
He said, I would have you, but you are hot or cold. And because you are hot, neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. That's old Elizabethan English. I put it in today's vernacular. Jesus says, you make me want to vomit. That's literally what he is saying. Well, pastor, that's harsh. Well, you talk to God. I, I didn't write that. <laughs> He's saying that because you're neither here nor there, you're not good for anything. And there's constantly a war going on. Why are men in such conflict? Because they cannot be true at true peace with others when they're at war with God. And I don't care if you're a nice person. You don't get to heaven by being a nice person. You don't get to heaven by being good. You get to heaven by trusting in the completed and finished work of Christ Jesus. I hate to, I hate to bust your bubble if you're in my millennial generation. But there is only one way to God. There are not many ways to God. John 14, 6 says this. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. Well, I got friends that don't believe. Well, you better get to work before they die. But it might make them uncomfortable. Eternity in hell will make anybody uncomfortable. Would you rather they be uncomfortable now or uncomfortable forever? We get scared of sermons like this, huh? We get scared of this because we call it fire and brimstone. But what I call it is truth. That we are trying to reach a generation to say there is a right and wrong. There is a heaven and a hell. And if you don't accept Jesus Christ, you are at war with God. Well, prove it. I've got all sorts of philosophies, Pastor, that say you're wrong. Well, let's, let's agree that the Bible is going to be the final authority today. Many are in spiritual warfare and have no idea that a war is even going on. They're in a war and they don't even realize they're in a war. They're walking around, bullets flying over their head, and they don't know that the war is going on. And although the battle is going on, when we don't know Christ, we don't realize that we have connected with the losing side. You're either with Christ or you're against Christ. There is no in-between. And at one point, we were on the losing side and without hope. But I, I don't know about you, but I don't like to be on the losing side. I don't like bandwagon fans, but this time I'm a bandwagon fan. You know why? Because I read the end of the story and I decided not to follow the losing side. I said, but thanks be unto God who has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be on the winning side. That's why many people, I would love to have a lot of bandwagon Christian fans when they realize the reason there aren't many bandwagon fans is because they don't realize that they're on a losing team. And God's mercy tells them that they're on a losing team. We don't want to offend anybody. And so at the sake of not offending someone, we refuse to help people. And that is the cruelest behavior of all. But thanks be to God that he has given us an opportunity to be on the winning side. Pastor, you're making me uncomfortable. Well, good. I've I got you right where I want you. Let's read Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And what does it say? It says this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through God uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of God keep that up for a second 
I want you to begin to look at this because justified has the word in there. We can hear it. Justice. In other words, you get what you justly deserve. If you're going to be justified, you have to be made right. And what he's saying is that if he's talking to Christians, he's saying, since you've chosen to follow Christ, you have been justified. You have been made right with God by nothing but your belief. None of your works can do it. You can't live good enough to please God. There are good people that will go to hell. There are nice people that will go to hell. There are wonderful people that are on your job that may end up in hell because it has nothing to do with how good we are because as good as we are, all our righteousness is still bad. See, the problem is we made the mistake of comparing ourselves to others instead of to the holiness of God. It's God's holy and righteous standard that we cannot meet. It's God's holy and righteous standard that lets us know. You know why the Ten Commandments are there? Paul says that they're a schoolmaster. They're there not, number one, theologically, they can show you the character and nature of God. The law is perfect and it is right, although we're not under it. It shows us who God is, what he thinks, and how he is. It is holy, right, and pure. But number two, it is there to let us know that we can't keep it. And when we realize that the Bible says out of those Ten Commandments, how many of us have ever broke one of the Ten Commandments? Can we be honest, show of hands? You know what the Bible says? If you broke one, you're guilty of all. That's a losing battle. That means no matter what you do, you can't win. The game is fixed. The game is rigged. Why? Because we have a sin nature. So God sent his son to die on a cross for us so he could take the penalty for our sin. And as we believe in what he's done by faith, we receive by faith what Jesus has done. And there becomes a transference. And he takes our sin and covers us in the blood. And then he wipes our sins away. He doesn't just wipe them away. The uh, proper term would be he makes us clean. He doesn't just cover our sin, but he makes them, he puts them away when God looks at it. But here's the thing. You have to be justified by faith and through grace. To be justified means that justice is served, that through Christ's sacrifices, we've been made right with God if we've accepted his son. But if we have rejected and reject his son we reject or reject the Holy Spirit, we are still at war and on the losing side. That's why the thought of God or church agitates many people because they are still at war and nobody feels good in enemy territory. If you're in a gang or if you're in the military, wherever you are, if you are someplace in a gang and people are wearing colors that are different than you of an opposing gang, you're not going to be able to eat your food. You know why? Because you're looking at them saying they out to get me. You don't feel comfortable in enemy territory. Why do some, some people feel uncomfortable in church? It's because something's wrestling in them. Their flesh loves the world. And when they begin to hear the gospel, it makes them uncomfortable because they don't realize that being good is not good enough to get into heaven. You, if you don't know Jesus, you are in enemy territory. But you're among a good enemy. And this is what I want you to get. It says this. That's why the thought, I wrote this down and I want to read it how I wrote it. That's why the thought of God at church agitates many because they are still at war. They are uncomfortable around the things and people of God and don't realize why. Because no man is completely comfortable in enemy territory. They can be genuinely nice people to an extent, but talks of religion and God and Jesus agitate 
agitate them. They abort them like the plague. They are missing the one thing that will give them true spiritual peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, which is to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. In other words, Jesus has to justify you through faith. And if you don't have any justice, you can't have any true peace. Somebody said, no justice, no peace. Say it again like you're protesting. No justice, no peace. <laughs> no justice, no peace. If you are not justified, but if you are not justified by faith, you are at war with God. And if you have no justice through the blood of Jesus, you have no peace. God is not your friend. He is your enemy. Whew. But I thought we served a loving God. We do serve a loving God who happens to be a just judge and will not tolerate sin. So he sent his son to receive the due penalty of our sins unto himself. He is not a mean or a wicked person. He just has to judge sin. And he has decided that instead of letting you face the penalty, he loved you so much. The Bible and Isaiah said, yet it pleased him to crush his own son. What does that mean? He decided that you were so worth it. He sent his own son to die for you so that you could be at peace with him. No justice, no peace. They say, I don't need church. I, I found my religion. I found, I'm a spiritual person. How many times have you heard that all the time? I'm a spiritual person. I'm not in the church, but I'm spiritual. Everybody's spiritual. You're a spirit that's housed in the body. Everybody's spiritual. That's not really saying anything. They're really saying, I found secular humanism, and I have elevated man and man's solutions to my problems. After all, I try to be a good person. I try to live a good life. I try, the, I try to live a good life, and pride is there. Uh, Ray Comfort does something. Brother Dave, come here for a second. I need you, need you to do something for me. Now, I'm going to let you pretend to be somebody else so your answers are, are, are asking for a friend. You think you're a pretty good person. How many of y'all like Brother Dave? Brother Dave's a cool cat, isn't he? Everybody loves Brother Dave. Give Brother Dave a hand. You think you're a pretty cool person, right? Let me ask you a question. God should let you in because you're a pretty good person, right? You ever told a lie? Uh, <laughs> okay. What do we call people who tell lies? Uh, a liar. Liar. Okay. Uh, you ever took something from the office across your span of career that didn't belong to you? Uh, a pencil or anything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes you what? A thief. All right. Now, don't answer this one, but every guy in here, if they're honest, is going to answer it the same way. Have you ever looked on a woman with lust? Yeah, you might as well, because every guy who says he hadn't, he's either a eunuch or he's lying. But at the end of the day, you, you have. So, okay, so have you ever said anything behind their back? So the Bible says that if you, you gossip about people and tear them down, that's like murder. So by your own confession, and put yourself in Brother Dave's uh, shoes. Most of us have have thought these same things. Even if we're, you're of the opposite sex, you had lust for that person. And here's the thing. So by your confession, that makes you a lying, thieving, adulterous murder. What makes you think God gonna let you into his heaven on the day? Now I ask you that question again. Do you think you're a good person? Uh -oh. 
I love this because Ray Comfort does this, and this is the true gospel. But what if I told you there was a way that you don't in yourself have to be a good person, but that you could be at peace with God who is angry with sin? Because the Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day. That's in the Bible. Have you ever read that? It says God is angry with the wicked every day. How did that I could tell you that you could receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if you do that, he pays the penalty for your sin. Would you be interested in that? How about that? Is that how you heard the gospel presented to you? Most times it's non-confrontational, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you really want all the benefits that God has for you, just raise your hand. No judgment here. <laughs> we just want you to feel good about it. And we have so tried to affirm people that they have grabbed hold of a truth that is not really true. You can sit down, Brother Dave. Thank you for playing along. Give him a hand. And so people are now in the process, many of them, of deconstructing their faith because the faith they have is built on a false foundation. It's not the faith, it's their faith. They built the faith on something that is not biblical, nor it is real. So they're in the church, but they are still lost. They're lo Everybody said lost in the house. Prove it. If you go to the book of Matthew, it says he shall say to them. They looked at him and said, in your name, I cast out demons. In your name, I did many mighty works. These are people at the church. And Jesus looks at them and said, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. He's not saying it because he wants to. He's saying it because he's just and he had to. And it breaks his heart to do it because he's giving you a chance. I don't want to live in the church all my life and then die and go to hell because somebody didn't tell me that I was at war with God. It's time for me to make peace blessed are the peacemakers because when you make peace they are called what the sons of God who Jesus <laughs> oh Jesus they say I don't need church I try to live my life good but we see the mindset of this in the rich young ruler y'all mind if I just teach this today Matthew chapter Mark chapter 10 verses 17 through 23. It says this. You can read along with me. They got it on the screen. Thank you media team. What does it say? And he was setting out on his journey. A man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Well, now, wait a minute. Jesus won't even let you call him good. He's Jesus. But we feel like we're good people, don't we? Wow. Let's keep reading. Verse 19, he says, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your mother and your father. He said to them, teacher, I have all, I've kept all these things from my youth. Let's read verse 21 together. Let's read it loud. Let's read it. What's it say? And to the point. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Wait a minute. He loved him. He wasn't condemning him. He loved him. But he knew he was missing something. What does it say? Let's start over. It says, what? And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Sell everything. Go sell everything that you have. Give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Then he goes back to verse 22. Let's read verse 22. Let's see what his decision is disheartened by the saying he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Jesus didn't mind the man having money. That wasn't the nature of the story. 
he was disheartened and sorrowful for another reason. I'm going to translate verse 22 this way. Disheartened, he went away sorrowful because he only wanted to give Jesus a performance. He didn't want to give him his heart. Jesus said, you know the commandment. Don't lie. Don't commit adultery. Oh, I do all these things. You know how we do when we show up at church proud because we haven't lied today. We haven't spoken, spoke cuss today. We haven't committed adultery. And we have done all those things. We hadn't done. We better than other people. We're not. We, we really not. But we feel like we are. It makes us look like we're morally superior. But the problem is that when Jesus asks for all of our heart, we have a problem. I'm finna meddle now, brother. Pastor Arnold, I'm finna meddle. You know how I know? Because we have a good, generous, giving church. But how many of us love Jesus till it gets to our wallet? We could drop $100 in chilies. But we can't drop $100 a week in a church plate. You know why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart is. Not my words, Jesus. Jesus said, where your heart treasure is, that's where your heart is. Which means if I follow your checkbook long enough, I'll find out who really has your heart. What are you spending your money on? What are you spending your time on? See, we want to give Jesus performance. And guess what? Performance won't do it because no matter how hard we try, we can't perform good enough to be good for God. That's why we need Jesus. Jesus is saying, keep all that stuff. That's great, but that's not what I want. I want undying commitment from you. It wasn't the money he had a problem with because Jesus had rich people in his crew. It was people financing Jesus. Jesus didn't mind folks having money, but the problem was his money had him. Jesus, I follow you, but I won't give up my TikTok or my cell phone or my Facebook because there's some stuff in there I'm addicted to that I don't need to be addicted to. And I'm up at late at night looking at stuff that I have no business looking at. You can have, you can have my church attendance. I'll show up on Sunday, but don't you dare take that. Jesus, I, 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 Jesus, I love you, but don't you dare take my political news, news media, whatever I, whatever I use, Fox News or CNN, because it stops there. That's part of my treasure. Don't you dare talk about that. The pastor's good till he start talking about Fox News. The pastor's good till he start talking about CNN. The pastor's good till he start talking about money. If I talk long enough, I find out who your God really is. If you can't say amen, y'all still love me. I love you. You see, his heart was attached to his money. Those of us who have been in a job or relationship that we did not like, we know full well that it is possible to give somebody your performance without giving them your heart. How many people have been together in marriage for years, but they hate each other? How many people have gone to jobs day after day because you want to get that money, but you can't stand your job or your boss? It's possible to give performance and your heart not be in it. It's possible to show up at church every Sunday, be on the praise team or even in the pulpit or be a greeter and show up. And you just showing up on the outside with your feelings, but you never really gave Jesus your heart. And so you're at war with him. People. Jesus is saying this, I don't need a performance. I want your whole heart. If that PowerPoint's up there, put it on the screen. I just want them to have it today. I'm not trying to go in a particular form today or a particular homiletical form. I just want you to get this. God is extending to us today the olive branch. He's extending to us a branch of peace, and it is dipped in blood. There is a fountain 
filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood, they lose all their guilty stain. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you an olive branch and him giving it to you dipped in my own blood. If you'll just give me your heart, which is deceitful and wicked and no man knows and you don't even know your own heart while you're telling people you're a good person, let somebody hit the wrong trigger and you'll turn into somebody you never knew you were. Don't believe me? Go out to 696 today or try to get across Campbell coming out and somebody see you coming out and speed up to not let you in. Watch what the heart does. It's wickedly deceitful and no man can know it. You can't trust the heart. So the only way you fix a broken heart is to give it to a surgeon. Give it to Jesus. But pastor, what about those who are in church? And they're in church, but they're still fighting. Because not only are some people at war with God because they don't know God, but sometimes it's because everyone that is in that church does not have the church in them because sometimes there's a war going on. Paul said it this way. He said, every time I would do good, evil is ever present. What is he saying? I'm saved, but I'm still holding on to some stuff that I know you don't like. I'm saved, but I'm still smoking. Don't touch my smoking, Pastor. I'm going to touch your smoking today. Will you go to heaven if you smoke? Yeah, but you'll get there a lot quicker because you're defiling God's body. And body, God said he that defiles the body, him will God destroy. God, I love Jesus, but I have a struggle. I'm abusing alcohol. I'm doing this or whatever the case may be. And we don't want to be transparent in the church and say, I'm saved, but I still have issues. And there anybody that will be honest and say, I'm saved, but I still got issues. I'm saved, but I still need some saving. I'm saved because, oh, that you might not clap for that. But I know even if you ain't clapping, all of us have something that we need to give to Jesus. I'm saved, but I still like gossip. I'm saved, but I still backbite sometimes. I'm saved, but I'm still walking in fear instead of walking in faith. I'm saved, but I still struggle with low self-esteem. I'm saved, but I still struggle with lust. I can keep calling all day, but whatever yours is, you are that person. Because not only are you now not fighting God, but because you're not fighting God, you got to fight yourself. It's a war. Paul says, the flesh wareth against the spirit, and the spirit wars against the flesh. Christianity is not a commitment for the weak of heart. But I like to quote what a famous theologian said, a call to follow Christ is a call to come and die. And anything you try to kill, if it's living, it's going to fight to get up off of that altar, isn't it? That's why Paul said that you have to present your body as a living sacrifice. Even Jesus used that imagery. He said in Luke 9, 23, look it up, but go back on the live screen and look up Luke 9 and 23. He said, if you follow me, it's not a half-hearted commitment. He says, if any man will follow me, he must first deny himself and then pick up his cross. Jesus, why are we picking up a cross? The crosses are meant for execution. That's like saying, pick up an electric chair, strap me down because I got a case and, and put, the, put the poison in my vein. Jesus, why am I, why are you telling me to pick up lethal injection? He said, pick up that cross. He said, okay, Jesus, I'll pick up this cross. Who is it for? It's for you. Wait a minute. Don't you think we need to pick up the cross for People that are much meaner than me, people that abuse children, people that do all these other heinous things, people that commit genocide. He said there's a cross for them, but there's a cross for you too. 
pick up his cross and follow me. A call to Jesus is a call to come and die daily. We used to say that in Bible study. You need to affirm yourself. Turn around when you get up in the morning in the mirror. Whatever you know you're struggling with with God, you say. But whatever you're struggling with with God, I need you to wake up in the mirror, and, and I need you to put yourself in Terhan's place if your name's not Terhan. And you get up, and I want you to look in the mirror in the morning and say, Self, Self, you're looking good today. <laughs> self, if I had your face, I'd throw mine away. The world ain't ready for you today, Self. We finna go out here. But oh, by the way, Self, before we leave, I got this cross for you. Because Self, you got, a, you got an issue with anger, and if you mess up and snap on somebody and then talk to them about Jesus, they're not going to want to hear you. There used to be an old hymn when I was little that I used to hear my father. He used to say, my Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free. No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross The man that makes peace with God will make peace with others when possible. However, he must crucify his flesh. This means he is now not at war with God. He's saved, but he is now at war with himself. James 4, 1 through 3. I'm going to read it. If they pull it up, you can read it with me. What does it say? It says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not that you your, you, your passions are at war within you? You desire what you do not have, so you, you murder you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly or for the wrong reasons to spend it on your passion. You don't want to be rich to help people. You want to be rich because you can be the boss and floss. That's why you want to be rich. You don't care about anybody else but yourself. That's what causes quarrels among you. If other people wasn't saying that car was nice, you probably wouldn't even drive it. Because it's just a car. Nothing wrong with having it. But does it have you? Romans 8, 12 through 15. We're teaching today. We're going through scripture. James is talking to the church. They have been saved by grace, but they're still quarreling because they're losing the fight to their flesh. I'd already prepared myself for quietness today when I read, read this because as I began to preach this and put it on the paper and, and think about it, I got quiet myself. So I'm in the seat with you. I understand. If you're quiet, that's fine. I say amen to myself. Amen lights like they used to say in the old, in the old church. They have switched kingdoms and armies, but they are still fighting with the old rules of engagement. They are not yet disciplined and they are allowing their flesh to take command they are carnal minded Romans 8 through 12 verse 12 through 15 let's read it together you don't have to take my word for it let's read it what does it say so then brothers we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh but for if you live according to the flesh you will die y'all ain't reading with me come on read with me it, it ain't gonna hurt us it's not gonna hurt us it's good let's read it a little bit louder what does it say for if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live wow it says but if by the spirit i put this note in here if by the spirit some of this is the problem with a lot of us we're not doing it by the spirit some of us are trying to fight flesh with flesh 
It's okay to have an accountability partner. It's okay for me to say, Terhan, I'm struggling with this. Take my phone so I don't struggle with this. Or I send you this. Or take this and help me to keep, keep me accountable in this area. But guess what? You can see all the life coaches you want to see. And life coaches are good. Psychiatrists and psychologists are good. They serve their place. But there is a spiritual element that God can only feel. You have to do it by the Spirit. Let's go to verse 14. What does it say? For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Didn't he say, blessed are, are the peacemakers, for they shall be the what? Sons of God. So the peacemakers are those who are what? Led by the Spirit of God. Who this is good teaching today. I like teaching. I use less energy. I'm still animated, though. <laughs> verse 15, what does it say? For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. He has adopted you. And this is strong language because in Roman culture, he's writing this to the Romans. Roman culture was different from us. Do you not know that an adopted son had more rights than the, than the, than the born son? Because the born son, you didn't have a choice over. The adopted one you did. Which means God says, I made the choice for you. You are my son, which means you have full rights and privileges of being a son. Which means you don't have to be bound to bad eating. You don't have to be bound to, to, to cigarettes or alcohol or vaping or weed or, or whatever you got. You don't have to be bound to lust. Yeah, the reason you're bound is because you haven't realized that if you walk in the spirit, yeah, good, get some accountability. That's fine. But learn to walk in the spirit. What does it mean that I open up the word of God and I begin to live my life by the blueprint he set out? And I let the spirit guide my heart. After I preach this, it's too many of y'all to call and keep up with every week. I don't have enough bandwidth to keep an hour-long conversation and say, have you done this today? Have you done this today? Have you done that? I can't get in your business. All I can do is preach the truth. Now it's up to you to go out into the world and allow the spirit to lead you how to live. If the spirit is leading you, you're the sons of God. If it's not, Go see Mari. Some of y'all might catch that. Who is your father? This is a challenging sermon for us today, but it's a good sermon because we must be attentive. I wrote this, and I'm, I'm going to send this out for you, because we must be attentive, available, and acquiescent to the Spirit of God. What does that mean? As I'm living my job and my life, I have to be able to hear God speaking to my heart. I have to be available, which means that I make time for him to speak. I have uh, devotional time, and I must be acquiescent. Pastor, what's that big word? Acquiescent means just submissive. I'm acquiescent. That's a nice word. I'm allowing whatever to take over. Uh, let, that, let God take over. And here's the last thing as I get ready to let you go today. Is this helping anybody today? The cost of peace with God. Is war with the world. Why did you say this means war? Because you'll never be in life. Without conflict. The key is choose the winning side. Make peace. With the right person. Blessed. Hallelujah. Fear not those who can kill just merely the body brother Dave. But fear him who can throw both body and soul into hell. 
James 4, 4 through 8, and we're out of here. Let's read it. What does it say? James chapter 4, verse 4 through 8. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? What does enmity mean? War. You have to choose a side. Let's keep going. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy, uh, jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. Hallelujah. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Mm. That's the key. You got to surrender. Do you not know many times in wartime, if, you, if you're out of prisoners you, or out of, out of people to fight, you know what you do? You capture the other team's members and say, you're going to surrender and now you're going to fight for us. And this is a sign of submission. I give up. I'm coming out with my what? Hands up. That's God. what God is saying. All your life you fought for the enemy. And you may have fought for me and left me and went back to the enemy. But this time I want you to come out with your hands up. When you're worshiping, that's what you're really doing when you're raising your hand. You're saying, I'm coming out with my hands up. I surrender and I submit to you, God. It is a sign of submission. And you can't come to him if you don't submit to him. He says, submit to God. Not only do you submit to him, but what's that next thing? Let's, let, let's pull it up, verse 7. Um, let's go back a little bit. Go to verse 7. What does it say? That verse 6. Let's go. They're, they're, they're getting there. Verse 7. I'll read it out in case they can't find it. It says this. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. Wow. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. We know what that means from blessed are the pure in the heart. A purified heart is a what? It's an undivided heart. Purify your hearts, you what? Double-minded. You see how scripture interprets scripture? Why then, at the start of the scripture about peacemakers, would we talk about war? Because the truth is that you're always going to be a war. There won't be a time in your life where conflict doesn't arise. But you've got to choose to be at peace with the things that matter most. Be at peace with God. You got enemies in your life. The, the Bible says this, Brother Dave. It says, when a man's ways please the Lord, Mario, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. Let your ways please the Lord. Blessed are the peacemakers. Because if you make peace with God, he'll make you a son. I don't know about you. You can clap, that's fine. I don't want to be at war with God. I don't want to be going back and forth, in and out. But I want a faith that's true. You may have made some mistakes in your life. There's not a person in here who hasn't or will not make a mistake. But at the end of the day, you've got to do this. Come here, Brother Dave, real quick. Austin, come here. We out of here. Come on up on the stage.
Brother Dave, you're going to be the devil today. Brother Dave is the farthest thing from the devil. We used to use also for Jesus, but he's cut his hair. Now he's Brad Pitt. <laughs> we used to be with Jesus. We followed Jesus. We walked with Jesus. We held his hand. Jesus never moved, but slowly, as we got older, as life got there, you see, he's, he, he got the idea. He's holding my hand. He's trying to keep me from leaving. But as life goes, somebody's ready and available. And he's ready and willing to pull me close. I was a son, and now I'm a prodigal. But here's the cool part. I should have been fighting him, but now I made peace with him. But after a while, I got to put up my dukes. This means war. And I got to look at my flesh and I got to say, this means war. You know why? Because the only way I can be at peace with him is to be at war with him. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And you know what he'll do? He'll flee from you. Is there anybody? in this place. Thank you, Austin. You may be saved. There may be somebody here if you're not saved or if you're far from God, this altar is for you. If you're watching my podcast or however you watch, right now you can be on the winning side, but you've got to tell the enemy that this means war. But I'm not just talking to unsaved people. I'm talking to saved people who have divided interests and you know you got some struggles that you call pet sins and you've just been dealing with them and so long that you said that's just the way I am. You know, I just, I don't have a, I don't have tolerance for, for imperfection. No, you have a bad attitude. That's what, what you have and you need to give it to God. But you got to be at war with yourself so you can be at peace with him. Blessed. I give myself away. You can stand. Pastor Ernie and the prayer team, as they come, there are people here that can pray with you and for you. We are, we have.